Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, church, if you would. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5 together. Joshua chapter 5, and we just uh, welcome those of you who are with us over in our LifePoint venue. We are so grateful for you, and thank you for worshiping. If you'd take your Bibles or you can look on the scriptures that I will have above, most of them will be there uh, today. We also have Bibles that are in the uh, chairs in front of you. Uh, You can grab one of those and follow along as well. Uh, But uh, this is a message I've been waiting to to, uh, share for a few weeks now, and so grateful to do that. Um, As we continue this saga, this journey that represents our spiritual pilgrimage, our walk with the Lord. We talked about how Joshua and the people of Israel really are uh, the framework of our own salvation. We see the people of Israel were released from uh, captivity in Egypt. This wonderful miracle. They went through the Red Sea. It was totally by grace. And remember, they, it, it was through the blood of the Lamb that was put on the doorpost, and, and, and they were set free by just the power of God through Moses. And then they wandered. They got stuck in the wilderness. And this is a series about how to make sure we're not stuck in our growth and in our life as Christians and how we keep moving forward. After 40 years, a new leader came in, Joshua, who had studied and mentored under Moses. And Moses died, and then all the folks who kind of rebelled and disobeyed God out in the wilderness, they died off. And now we have a group of children and grandchildren who have faint memories of Egypt. And now God is saying, it's time, it's time to move forward. It is always time for the people of God to move forward, isn't it? We are never to sit still. We are never to be satisfied. We are never to settle in any portion of our life. God has called us to grow, to make disciples, to go, and to continue to develop in our walk with the Lord. We're not to settle. And so this message and and this series of messages is, is the call of Christ Through this visual symbol of the people of Israel, it is the call of Christ to go all in. It is the call of Christ to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And from it we learn principles and, and really good illustrations and visuals of how we are to do that. And so we're back in this series called All In chapter 5, and I hope you're all in here today with me. You've all got your your Bibles. You're going to watch these scriptures above, and we can learn what God has to teach us today. You know, uh, hurricanes and storms are always informative events. (laughs) Uh, You get to know your family a little better after a while. It brings you out of and brings us out of our our little homes, and we find out we have neighbors. We get to know neighbors. Uh, It really reveals a lot of things. It will tell you uh, what trees in your yard did not deserve to stand any longer. They were not worthy of standing. So the wind tested them, and they failed. It reveals lots of things. But here's what you know, and you know this the hard way. Those who, are, uh, who struggle most during and after a storm are those who prepare the least. Those who struggle the most are those who prepare the least. 
Now, we were part of that small group, praise the Lord, we were part of that small group that didn't lose power, but we lost a tree or two, right? You may have been in one of those groups that lost power and you just got back, or some of you may not even have it back, but one of the keys to success through the storm is your preparation. It's so fitting that right now, uh, we join the Israelites on the other side of the Jordan. They've now crossed over the Jordan River. They are, they are in the promised land. Everybody just experienced this incredible miracle. The Jordan dried up. The priests stood in the middle of the Jordan carrying the Ark of the Covenant. All of Israel passed in. They were all in. And the, and, the, and the Bible says right here in Joshua 5 verse 1 that the people that were in their land, in that land of Canaan, they were terrified. They had heard about the Red Sea. They had heard about some of the victories of Israel in the wilderness. And then they had seen it for themselves. They were terrified. But here's what God's going to do. He says, before you take one more step, I want you to plant yourselves in a place called Gilgal. And Gilgal is so important for the Israelites and is so important for us. You say, I've never heard of Gilgal. Well, you need to have a Gilgal. Because it is a place of preparation before the storm. And those who prepare the best have the most victory in their walk with the Lord. It is a place of preparation, a place of examination. And that's what we're going to do today. It's a place to make sure you've got what you need. Man, I, I did pretty good. Sarah and I did pretty good kind of collecting things and getting our, our, ourselves prepared. But I know I've been through several hurricanes, and, and I know one thing I wanted to make sure I had. I wanted to have some fuel. How many of you went and stood in line? You went, waited in line. You made sure you got fuel. Uh, trust me, I had more than this. All right, so this was just because <laughs> it was the only empty one that I had. But I had several con- <coughs> containers. And so... I filled up with some power. I had to have some fuel to make sure that I could uh, run my automobiles if I needed it and so that I could help supply people that actually had generators. And uh, so we, we had, I had my power. Then I also had my provisions. How many of you went out and got some water? When I got some water? How many of you got some peanut butter and jelly? Amen. Uh, amen. So how many of you got some real junk food? I mean, you just piled up on that. I mean, that is, you need comfort food during a storm. No health food during a storm. So you go out and you get your provisions. And so we stocked up with some water. Uh, and we had all of that and, and, and packs of water. We still have it, by the way. So it'll be around for the, for the next storm. So we had food. We had bread. We had provisions. And we had enough junk food to last for a while. And so we were good to go. But, you know, we had to also, I had, I had to get serious, too. So I had some other things. But I'm telling you one thing that I love to have. I love to have a, uh, a chainsaw, you know. Y'all know how to operate a chainsaw? I think I should start it. I think some people said, yes. Oh, no. Well, I'm not going to start. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I could. But I got me a chainsaw, and guess what? I needed it. I needed it. What we discovered is that there was a tree unworthy of standing in our yard. The very f- even that early Sunday morning before the winds even got going, we had a we had one of these water oaks fall over and hit my neighbor's house. Now there was no damage fortunately, uh, but it was an indicator. It was kind of a scary indicator because 
Irma was, hadn't even hit the tip end of Florida, and I was already losing trees. But I was prepared. I had my chainsaw. I had my tarps. I was ready. How many of you felt prepared for the storm, okay? So you did a good job getting prepared for the storm. Well, those things are important. But here's the problem. Too many of us believers are not prepared for a lot of the storms that come into life. And we get stuck. We get caught off guard. We find ourselves defeated by temptation. Temptation's a storm, isn't it? There is a, a virtual hurricane of temptation in this culture. I mean, it, it is everywhere. It's overwhelming. And you know what I see a lot of believers doing? You know what you do if you're not prepared for the storm of temptation? You better make sure you got some roots. That you're ready for the storm. The Israelites were about to face a storm. Now, they had been led into a place flowing with milk and honey. This was the promised land. They were so excited to be there. But God said, I want you to stop. And I want you to prepare. Because you're going to face a storm. You know what they all they could see off in the distance? They saw their first storm. It was called Jericho. You see, there were these city-states all throughout the land of Canaan. And God promised. He said, I'm going to drive them out. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 10, there was a perfect storm. There were seven nations that were mentioned. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites. They were going to face a perfect coalition against them claiming what God had for them. And God said, so I want you to stop and I want you to get ready. Look at chapter 5, verse 1, and let's look at some of the key things that a believer needs to be prepared for to have victory over the trials and temptations and the storms of life because what pertained to the people in Israel also pertains to us. And you'll, you'll, you'll find it remarkable how it correlates with what we have in Christ. But it starts off with the oddest scene. One of the oddest scenes in all of Scripture. It's rather strange. As soon, he says, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts, this is the, these are the enemies the, the spiritual and physical enemies of Israel, they were scared. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. You know what I'd have been thinking if I were Joshua? I'd have been thinking, attack. Now is the perfect time to attack. They're scared. Look at our God. Look what he just did. Get your swords, guys. God said, hold on, Joshua. I got a different battle plan. This is the battle plan for the people of God. I want you not to get your swords. I want you to make flint knives. Flint knives? How are you going to win a war with flint knives? Well, look at this. Verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Ha'aralath. 
Now, I don't know if you know what circumcision is. It is something we do to little boys when they are born. It is not something we do to grown men. Especially the warriors that we are counting on to win the battle. But Joshua said, put on your swords. And they're going, what are you talking about? We're going to be circumcised? We're going to be out for at least a week? We can't fight in that condition. That's the point. The Lord's going to fight for you. And he needs to know you're dependent upon him. And until he realizes, and you realize that you can't battle the storm in your own strength, until then, you'll never overcome the Canaanites and Hittites and Parasites. And so, <laughs> Parasites, Parasites. You'll never overcome those, those things that come into your life if you're going to battle it with your own strength, your own manliness, your womanliness, and you're going to go at it and say, I've got this. God says, no, you are not prepared for the storms. I want you to stop. And I want you to put down your ability. And I want you to trust in me. He basically disabled all the men of Israel for a week or however long it took they laid there until they healed can you imagine the kings they sent out their spies the Amorites and other guys so what are they doing are they making battle plans you're not going to believe this boss you're not going to believe this they're laying around in their tents why are they laying around in their tents they circumcised every man that's weird The world doesn't understand this, by the way, of people who depend that much on God. And so they, they trusted, first of all. Now, why would they do this? Well, let me keep reading. Joshua answers the question. Look at verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Through, though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And one of the reasons that I believe God was so disgusted with that group that as soon as they came out of Egypt, they stopped and forgot and ignored the sign of the covenant. The covenant sign for the, for the people of Israel was that circumcision. It was their part of saying, I am of Yahweh. I, we are His people. They ignored the sign. And what we'll discover in a minute, they didn't even celebrate the Passover. For 40 years, they basically lived in, in this spiritual la-la land. They were not following the commandments of God. And God just sort of put a hold on His covenant with them. And now, here's what He's doing. He says, I've brought you over just by my sheer grace. Now I'm going to test you. I'm going to give you a chance. You need to reconfirm, recommit, renew your covenant. This covenant that I have with you. I want to see if you will trust my promise, my agreement with you. 
And so they, they did. They followed through. And after they were circumcised, they took the sign of the covenant, the circumcision. Then they celebrated for the first time in decades the Passover. Now, what was the Passover? This was this celebration feast where they, they, they uh, slaughtered the lambs and they, they ate the, the matzah bread and they, they, drank the, they ate the bitter herbs. They kind of remembered God's deliverance of them out of Egypt and celebrated his forgiveness of their sin and his, uh, his deliverance of them from bondage. And so they did all of these things exactly the way they said. They, you know, it just must have really, I just wish I could have been a present in, in Jericho when they went to the king of Jericho. What are those guys doing? Well, they circumcised him. What? They circumcised him? That's crazy. That's not how you win wars. Well, what are they doing now? Well, they've gotten all better. Well, they decided as soon as they got their strength back and everybody's ready to fight, they had a feast. For a week, they had a feast. So they, they uh, had elective surgery and feasted for a week. When are they going to fight? And what we need to know as believers, that is the fight for us. Our fight is finding shelter and trusting in the promise of God. And, 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 the, and what's going to make us powerful is feasting on the provision of God. Now let's break that down just a little bit. And let's see it before we go into our time with the Lord's Supper. You and I need to do this. If we're going to be prepared for the battles and prepared for the temptations... We've got to renew and remember who we are. Our commitment to God and His promise to us. How many homeowners do we have in here? How many of you have homeowners insurance? Well, fortunately, you can't really buy a house. They make you get homeowners insurance. So one of the ways that I was prepared, not only did I have my gas and my water and my trusty chainsaw, I got my insurance card. I even got an insurance agent. Some of you have those? I have a contractual agreement with an organization that if my home is destroyed, they'll replace it. Guess what? I have that same agreement spiritually. Because <laughs> this tent right here is going down. This body's being destroyed. I'm falling apart, literally. And so are you. But I have an agreement with one who says he's given me a new body. He's going to heaven and he said, I go to prepare a place for you, David Chauncey. That's what Jesus told me. You see, it's the promise of God, his covenant promise with me through the blood of Christ, through uh, that sacrifice of Christ, through the cross, I have a covenant and a promise with God. You'll never win the battle until you live in that realize that, confirm that. So before we go try to have a victorious Christian life, a couple things we need to make sure we do is we establish our relationship with God. Make sure you have a relationship with Him. If not, you don't have that insurance card, you don't have that connection to the only person that can give you life and eternal life, and so you need that uh, connection to the Lord. Establish that connection to Him. But there was another reason 
that we see in this passage that I believe God had them take the mark of the covenant. The reason they, they, they took the circumcision. Later on in the passage, he talks about the fact that it was there that God rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Rolled it away. Took away the reproach, the shame of all of their sin. Do you know that happened? That happens for you and I at our Gilgal, our place of spiritual circumcision. It happens at the cross, and there Jesus takes the burden of my sin. You ever heard that hymn? He took my burden and it rolled away. He took that shame, but there's something else that they needed to do. They needed to take this spiritual time to evaluate the condition of their lives. Before they move forward, before they could ever have victory, they needed to hang out in their tent and think about who they were. Think about the things in their lives. Evaluate the things that could harm them. That needed to be cut away. When I got the chainsaw, I looked around the yard. I looked for some trees to cut down before the storm came. I looked at every tree that was near our house. I evaluated the tree. Obviously, I was wrong about one of them. On the outside, that tree had green leaves. On the inside, when it fell, we saw a big hole. It was dead on the inside. But what I would have done and what I needed to do in that time of evaluation and preparation was to go through my yard and I needed to cut down that which was dangerous to my life. And if I didn't, if I just said, I'm just going to leave that thing that is dead and heavy and destructive. I'm just going to let it stand there right by my family and my home. I'm going to ignore that danger. Guess what? And so part of the preparation spiritually before they could go into Israel and what we must continually do as believers is evaluate those things in our lives. So I didn't cut anything down. Everything looked pretty healthy. But one thing I did do is the things that I knew were not tied down, I tied them down. I took whatever straps and ropes I had and I put the furniture, you know, the patio furniture. I strapped it all down. And uh, how many of you did some of this? I mean, we tied it all down. Because during a hurricane, those things become dangerous. During the storm, those things that aren't tied down, those things that aren't secured can become objects that bring death. And I'm telling you, there's some things that sneak into our lives that we allow into our homes, allow into our daily walks that... They may seem kind of harmless right now, but when you face a storm, they can cut the power. They can even kill. They needed this time of preparation for evaluation. Isn't it interesting that when Paul says, uh, before you take the Lord's Supper, Take some time for an examination, evaluation. 
He's delivered you from bondage and death. He's rescued you out of Egypt. He's brought you into a new life. And he wants to give you the promised land. But he wants you to stop. And, and you've got to evaluate your life. You've got to evaluate your relationship with God. And so there's this time of preparation before the time of celebration. Take shelter in his promise. But if you're in his promise, can I just tell you, God's a lot better than all state. You're in good hands, right? You are in good hands with God. You are in good hands. Verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of that place is called Gilgal till this day. Just find it interesting. God did all of this for them, brought them into the promised land, and he said, But I need you to pause and deal with, with your past, put it under my promise, cut it away, allow God to take his chainsaw or scalpel or whatever it takes to come in and cut away and circumcise your heart, cut away disbelief and cut away the things that are sinful and that are potentially very harmful in your life. You need to let him have those things. Let me just turn to the New Testament very quickly. Look at Colossians chapter 3 with me. I want to put it in a New Testament perspective before we take the Lord's table together. Paul says basically the same thing. See if you can make this same connection, this spiritual journey. Look at Colossians 3 verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now, corresponding to that is, That's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. They were taken out of Egypt and they were buried into the Jordan and they were resurrected on the other side of the Jordan into the promised land. Just like you and I, if we have a relationship with God, we have been raised with Christ spiritually. We have this new thing. But look what he says. You've got to change your mindset. If you're going to have victory and live the Christian life the way you need to live it, you're going to have to seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. You have what? Died. Your life, however, aren't you glad about this in the storm? Your life, because you are under his promise and in covenant with God, your life is hidden with Christ and God. The trees can't hit you. He provides a way out of every temptation. He has you eternally secure. You have that. Now, when Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear within in glory. But here's what you've got to do. Look at verse 5. Here's the cutting. Here's the, the cutting away. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetous, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Now you must cut them, put them all away. 
Get them out of your yard. Get them out of your house. They're dangerous. That's part of your preparation. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. It will destroy you. Don't just cut it out. You see what your Gilgal is. is for a believer, it is, it is a time where we just say, God, examine my life. Examine my life and whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If it takes a scalpel or if it takes a machete, God. Or if you need to get out the chainsaw, God. Would you let him prepare you? Whatever it takes. Would you let him prepare you? The people of Israel did people of Israel obeyed. And let me show you what happens. The people of Israel obeyed. They had their Gilgal time where they, they restored their promise. They renewed their covenant promise. They feasted on God's Passover. And here's what happened. We're going to see it in the next chapter. They got all healthy healed up, full with the provision of God. They gathered as an army against the, the, the walls of the greatest city, the oldest city known. They gathered around this city that had gigantic walls. And the walls fell. What did they have to do? What did they have to do? To bring down the walls. My family thought I was crazy the other day. And maybe I am a little crazy. But I've been thinking about this Jericho. And I had gone out. And I had secured everything. Tied everything down. Before the storm even got going, the tree fell. I said, and I just felt led to do this. I gathered the family together, and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. I want us to walk around this house seven times. And I want us to pray. They said, no, we're not going to do that. That's crazy. You know what I was amazed by my kids and my family is they didn't put up a resistance. I was so crazy they really said, well, we want to see this. <laughs> I, and I'm not normally one to do sort of things that are a little bit off like that, but I said, let's do it. It was raining. I had my umbrella. We had our coats on. And I, we just marched around the house seven times. And I wonder if the neighbors were watching. <laughs> what are they doing? They should have never let a preacher move in this neighborhood. You know, I wasn't, we got to the seventh time, we gathered in the garage and we 
we prayed, trusted the Lord, and went inside and ate some more food. I don't, I don't think, or I don't know, there's, there's nothing magical about this. Here's what's magical. Here's what, here's what counts. That act, we could have done it two times. We could have walked one time. What it was, what I think was meaningful to the Lord, is that we put our faith in Him. We trusted Him, right? Don't go marching around your house seven times unless you really want to. I mean, it's good. Go march around your house seven times, but you better put your faith and your trust in the Lord. He is the one that will keep us through the storm. Don't go rushing in in your own strength, in your own power, with all sorts of dangerous stuff in your life. Let's have a Gilgal moment right now. Let's pause. Let's take time to be holy before the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you bow your heads and your hearts? As our ushers are and deacons are preparing gathering up in just a moment we're going to pray but before I pray before we pass out the elements would you just do a little bit like I did in a spiritual way and take a little journey in your life right now Just walk around your life and ask those questions. Ask this question, do I have a relationship with God? Am I established in my my relationship with Him? Have I ever given Him my heart and my life? Have I done that? Maybe today is the day of commitment where you just say, Lord Jesus... I'm coming to the cross. Take my burden. Take my sin. Forgive me. Enter into my heart and life. I want that Christian life. I want that promised land life. I want that strength in the storms. But, I, but I, I've got to have that established relationship with you. Would you invite him into your heart and your life this morning? Before we take the Lord's Supper, would you take the Lord? Would you take him as your Lord and Savior? Some of you need to do that this morning. Since we're having this Gilgal moment, the Holy Spirit will walk with you right now through your home and your life let him point out to those things and say that tree is going to destroy you it's full of death get it out of your life you say pastor I can't the Holy Spirit get yourself some brothers or some sisters around you and the Holy Spirit 
can get that out of the life, but it might take the chainsaw, but it's worth it. The Bible says to confess that sin. Would you confess it? Maybe it's worry. Maybe that worry is taking you down. Worry and anxiety has got a grip on your heart and it's smothering you. Confess that to him this morning. Release that to him. Let him cut it out of your life. And if it starts growing back, continue to cut it. Ask him to take it up from its roots. If it's bitterness or anger, it's some type of sexual sin, some type of addiction, whatever it is, God sees it, you see it, might as well be honest with him about it and just say, I need this out, I want to cut it out. It's going to kill me. It's going to make life so hard for me and my home and just get it out. And now, now what we're going to do after I pray is we're going to feast on God's provision for all of that. Jesus said, I knew they can't, they can't cover their own sin. They can't do anything with it. So I'm going to come and I'm going to die in their place. I'm going to give them my body and my blood. I'm going to give them uh, righteousness and I'm going to give them hope and I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give them the Word of God. I'm going to give them all of the fruit that they need, the living water. I'm going to give it all to them. Now we... As we take this communion, it's us turning to God and saying, fill us, God, with the Spirit. Change us. Father, we just confess our need. We confess our sin. Clean up our lives, Lord Jesus. Prepare us for the coming storms that we know we'll face, the challenges, the trials. And now, Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the provision in the storm. We have your forgiveness. We have your righteousness. We have your spirit in us. Thank you. And Father, I ask now that as we prepare to pass this bread, that we'd just be so thankful for everything you've done. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.